0: If you grew up in Canada in the 70s or 80s, honestly, I mean, honestly, we'd say the 60s or the 90s, too, that's how long Mr. Dressup ran for. Then you know that song. And in fact, I imagine maybe that, that song is giving you some, uh, some childhood memories, some nostalgia, some flashbacks. Uh, for a lot of Canadians, Mr. Dress Up was a big part of childhood. Uh, And and really, I think, in in a lot of ways, became a a Canadian icon, not just in terms of children's broadcasting, but as a Canadian, Uh, someone who we kind of poached from the United States. Uh, Yes, this Canadian icon uh, was uh, originally from the United States. Uh, It's been more than 20 years since Ernie Coombs, who played Mr. Dressup, uh, passed away, but uh, still casts a a big shadow in this country and I think is still remembered fondly by those who, who grew up watching him. Uh, His life, his philosophy, his legacy is explored in a new documentary. And your opportunity uh, one more time to see it in theaters uh, as part of the Calgary International Film Festival. There's a screening coming up this Saturday and an opportunity then to watch on Amazon Prime as it makes its debut there on October 10th. It's called Mr. Dress Up, The Magic of Make-Believe. Joining us on the line here this afternoon is the director of the film, Robert McCallum. Is with us here this afternoon, Robert? Great to have you with us. Welcome to the program.
1: Oh, I love being here. And you know, I was at the Calgary International Film Festival earlier this week. What an amazing festival! Great organizers, and great city, great city.
0: Well, yeah, and you were on hand for the the uh, screening this past Saturday. One more screening coming up this Saturday. Um, and and look, I mean, you, you've been you've been going to these festivals, seeing the reaction from people. It's pretty obvious, right? How much. Mr. Dressup means to so many people. What does it mean to you? Or how, how did you get interested in this project?
1: You know, there are certain uh shows that you grow up with that you know never leave you. They always latch on to you. They become part of you. And Mr. Dressup was one of those shows for me. Uh, as a creative as, you know, an artist, it shouldn't be that much of a stretch to imagine that a show that was broadcast coast to coast to coast in Canada for like four to five generations of Canadians uh, that it would impact an artist. And I just learned how to be a storyteller from Mr. Dressup. I learned how to make films with the available resources around me, much like he would make crafts. (laughs) There's not a single film I've made where I haven't gone in the kitchen drawer for my sticky tape or pencil crowns because I needed to do something with them. And if that's not Mr. Dressup, then I don't know what is.
0: Yeah, no kidding. It's interesting, uh, and uh, people will maybe learn in, in this film if they didn't already. I mean, for someone who was a Canadian icon in every sense, I mean, Ernie Coombs was was actually American, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, born and uh, raised in Maine, but you know, it's so easy to get tripped up in geography, right? Oh, yeah. I, I tend to believe that what aligns us is uh, less to do with geography and more to deal with philosophy. And Ernie was clearly uh, in a shared philosophy with Canadians. He had a shared sense of values. It's why he chose to stay in Canada when he could have returned to Pittsburgh with Fred Rogers. uh, And why he eventually chose to become a Canadian citizen. He didn't have to do any of that. But, you know, it's kind of like his people. We are his people. And uh, he's one of us, even if he had the piece of paper or the birthplace to, to go with it. Yeah. Same with Judith Lawrence, the puppeteer of Casey and Finnegan. She's right. from Australia, the other half of that on-screen duo. So when you think about it, Mr. Dressup is a great story about new Canadians coming and impacting our entire nation with their amazing talent.
0: Yeah, there's an interesting shared legacy, isn't there, between Mr. Dressup and Mr. Rogers, between Ernie Coombs and Fred Rogers. They kind of came up together. You know, their paths diverged as one stayed in Canada, one returned to the United States. But, you know, they're, they're linked in a lot of ways, aren't they?
1: You know, best friends, again, sharing a philosophy and a belief that children deserve the best that we can give them. And when you're talking about a tool of television, that means a little bit more than pie in your face. I love a good pie in your face. Who doesn't, right? We all need to see that. But they believe that you should have a little bit of meat in that pie, that kids deserve to be treated like people, not like some sort of subordinate class of of human beings just because they're younger and maybe not capable in someone's eyes and that kind of uh, approach to life really links people together and fred specifically chose ernie it's not like he you know (laughs) shut his eyes and pointed around the room and it landed on ernie like okay you come (laughs) with me to toronto yeah we'll figure it out when we get there no fred rogers was very deliberate in choosing ernie coombs and they became lifelong friends. I mean, Fred Rogers was his best man at his wedding, was the godfather of his daughter, Kathy. You know, it just, they spoke a similar language that went beyond words. It just went into action and, and core belief and leading through example.
0: You know, and this was kind of radical at the time, or revolutionary at the time, the idea of doing children's television, doing meaningful children's television. Like, this actually predates uh, even Sesame Street. So uh, he was breaking new ground, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, by more than a decade, you got to remember, CBC was the first broadcaster in North America to have a dedicated children's department. It was mandated that kids have their own programming. Not because, well, we got to do something for them, but because they deserved it, again. And Dr. Frederick Rainsbury was the guy leading the charge, and he brought in Bob Hummy, who was the friendly giant in the mid to late 50s, and he was the one that identified Fred Rogers early on and would have had him a lot sooner if Fred, uh, you know, wasn't trying to finish a few things on his own accord, like seminary school and finishing up the children's corner at WQED before he came. There was a real belief, like you say, well over a decade before meaningful education of Sesame street and millions and millions of dollars, might I add that never existed in Canada. uh, These people were doing it, which is what led to shows like dress up being possible and being staffed with amazing writers, directors and producers who all got it Mm -hmm. and wanted to do the best that they could.
0: Now, I mean, there were shows, I mean, Sesame Street's one, where you know, there's focus on, on literacy or, or numbers. Um, Ernie Coombs, Mr. Dressup was about imagination, right? About uh, unleashing creativity in, in kids. What, what was his philosophy?
1: I think that, you know, that imagine if you're powered with imagination, you can be unstoppable. Imagination is the ultimate problem solving tool. A lot of shows today for kids, and I like shows today for kids, but a lot of them are all focused on problem solving in that a conflict will arise and we better solve the problem. And they'll try a few things and it doesn't work and then they'll save the day. But that's not how you teach problem solving. You teach problem solving by teaching imagination and flexing the creative muscles. Because once you have those, you can do anything. You can't go to the moon unless you imagine how to go to the moon. It's it's really that simple. And so when you have a show that isn't about daily events or reading and writing, which are very important, kids will pick up on that. They'll pick up on, on that systematic formula of the 26 letters of the alphabet. They'll figure out the sequential numbering of counting. But they need to figure out imagination. And when they see examples daily pretty great
0: yeah the inclusion aspect too and this is where you know judith lawrence comes uh, into play and the film does talk a lot about her and maybe she gets overlooked o- often in, in the mr dress up legacy she was a big part of this casey and finnegan the characters were a big part of this but one of the examples of you know the the inclusionary approach of the show was the design of casey right casey was kind of meant to be sort of vague as to whether casey was a, a boy or a girl and that was deliberate
1: that's right i mean Like I've been saying, the agency is with the child when it comes to a show like Mr. Dress Up. That power, that transformation of putting on a jacket to be whatever you want. It's no different than how a child views Casey. You can view Casey as a boy. You can view Casey as a girl. Whatever your preference is, the power is within the child to suit what their needs are. It's really that simple.
0: In terms of the impact it had, what's interesting about this film is all of the very recognizable uh, names and faces people will see. Uh, Michael J. Fox, Bruce McCullough, Scott Thompson, uh, the list goes on. You know, talk about their involvement in this, their connection to this, and, and why it mattered to them to want to, you know, talk about this this man and his legacy.
1: There was not a single person that we reached out to, these Canadians of note, that did not want to participate, which is super rare when you're making a film. Usually there's a lot of, no, I'm not too sure about it. No, I didn't have a huge connection. There's not a single person that, you know, flat out turned us down for participating. It was always an issue of scheduling. If they didn't appear in the film, all of these people that you mentioned, Michael J. Fox, Bruce McCullough, the kids in the hall, of course, bare naked ladies, Biff naked, Andrew Fung, you know, Calgary boy, Andrew Fung. Um, You know, they've all done great things, but when you start talking about Mr. Dressup, you're just talking with your friend at recess, and that's kind of what matters most. Yeah, it's cool to talk to the guy who was in Back to the Future and Teen Wolf and Family Ties, but ultimately, I'm just talking with with Michael J. by the jungle jungle gym about the, the craft that he saw, or how we saw Mr. Dressup put on a hat, and one day he wants to put on hats like him. It's, it's phenomenal that so many people of note wanted to participate in our film and that recognized that he was such an important part of their own legacy and their own journey, uh, which is why I think it was so easy for them to say yes.
0: Yeah. And the Coombs family, were, were they involved in this?
1: Well, I mean, the film doesn't happen without the Coombs family, let's be honest. When I was starting this almost five years ago, I had made only a handful of phone calls before I talked to Chris Coombs and Kathy LaForte, his daughter. And uh, it was a pretty great conversation. You know, we talked about Mr. Dress-Up, of course, the, the impact the show and their dad had on Canada. And, you know, they had been approached many times throughout the years. And well, you could do the unofficial Mr. Dress-Up documentary, yeah. I don't think that's the right spirit to begin with before you even see a single frame of the movie. So you kind of need their blessing. And, you know, I am a very passionate guy. What you see is what you get. I've made pop culture documentaries for the last 20 years. And they knew that when I wanted to make a film about their dad in the show, that it was from a place of love first and foremost and sharing what mattered so much to me and sharing that love with everybody far and wide. Uh, and they, they recognized that and wanted to go forward with that. They weren't involved in any of the production. Of course, they do interviews that appear in the film. And they just had a whole lot of trust because they believed that this was the right path. Uh, for this to happen, and I'm forever grateful for them for that.
0: Absolutely. Well, it is a special project. The film is called Mr. Dress Up, The Magic of Make-Believe. It will debut on Amazon Prime on October 10th. Uh, Robert, thank you so much for making some time for us here today. Really do appreciate this.
1: Thank you so much. October
0: 10th, Mr. Dress Up. There you go. Robert McCallum, uh, director of Mr. Dress Up, The Magic of Make-Believe. Yes, so screening on Prime starting October 10th. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at Rob Breckenridge. And you can email me, rob at 770chqr.com. Talk to you next time.